0: Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast. Before we get to our guests, special shout out to Cruise Consulting. We do all your startup accounting, startup taxes, and tons of consulting. We're kind of whatever comes up, like financial models, budget actuals, maybe some state registration, sales tax, VC, due diligence support, whatever comes up for your company, we're there for you. 750 clients strong now. $10 $10 billion in capital raised by our clients. I can't believe it. $2 billion this year. It's been a crazy, awesome year. So check us out at cruiseconsulting.com. And now, on to our guest.
1: So when your troubles are mounting, in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise. cruise Founders and friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and friends with your host, Scotty Holmes.
0: Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Owner Cruise Consulting. And today, my very special guest is Evan Marr of CoreWeave. Welcome, Evan.
1: Ah, thank you. Nice to be here.
0: It's our annual podcast we do at the end of the year. I think we've done like five of these,
1: if I'm not mistaken. I believe we're actually and, up to – I think this is eight. No. Because well, we did a really. couple – we did like a CFO roundtable at the early days of COVID. And then That's I think right. we did it we did 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. That's seven. And then one wow. more was the CFO round I believe I'm in the eight timers club.
0: That CFO roundtable was good because that was a really hairy time. I, that was. I never want to go back to that. That was. Tough. No one. Um, no
1: one does. Actually, I just got me, this email uh, from Boulder uh, County Health saying like the the Stasio, the place where for two and a half years they've been doing COVID tests, is like they're finally shutting that down. And I was just oh. commenting to my wife like, we could live here for 50 years, and I think we we might. And I'm no matter what happens i'm just gonna drive past and be like oh yeah that's where they did the COVID test when the world was ending you know
0: yeah i know that was scary it was also all of our, it was a combination of the world's ending by the way we shouldn't make light of COVID because no? was a lot of people had a lot of suffering in that but
1: oh not making light at all type, it was scary it yeah. still is
0: yeah as finance types it was personal life horrible and professional life horrible it was crazy especially if you have uh at the time i think we had like 200 Fifty clients or something like that, all needing help on that. It was miserable.
1: Yeah, and you guys did a lot of PPP stuff, right? Totally, man. Yeah.
0: Totally, it was crazy. And you didn't know how um, many of
1: those clients were going to survive, just because oh, no yeah. one, no one knew I mean, where the no bottom way. was. It was
0: crazy. I didn't know we were going to survive. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it was a crazy time. Yeah. Uh, by the way, everyone watch watching this on YouTube. I'm you have an you are a musician. Your guitar is prominently featured in the shot here. For those that don't know, Evan actually is made the cruise podcast theme song that's correct which i get still today i get so many compliments on do you people, really people love that
1: oh that makes me so. oh happy. yeah i mean
0: everyone does it with a wink they know it's like quirky and fun yeah but i get a lot of a lot of positive feedback on
1: that oh so okay I mean, that. yeah it's not the rolling stones but it was you know
0: it's fun hey it's good people <laughs> like it um so you are in year two at a cool company so we'll talk about that just a little bit right. and then we were kind of brainstorming some other interesting things you're for, maybe just do the quick intro and, and where you are today and all that kind of stuff.
1: Sure. Uh, I'm the CFO at CoreWeave, uh, which is uh, one of the uh, five largest uh, GPU cloud providers uh, in the US. Um, we're orders of magnitude smaller than the ones you've heard of AWS, Azure and GCP, but we're growing like a weed. The, the growth has been really crazy. The you know team was, I don't know, 24, 25 when I joined two years ago and now it's up over 70 and you know something like that and it's uh, and and more to be added in the next 30 days and yeah we, we basically as our as our uh, CTO once said on bloomberg <laughs> he said we're not here for your wordpress blog and like you know you don't you don't need it. like <laughs> aws is like perfect for that you don't need us but for our super concentrated burst compute for like bfx renderers you know people in the entertainment industry for doing cgi type stuff uh, or big ai ml platforms like i don't want to i don't want to name check any of them but like there's been a ton of ai Uh, kind of platforms in the in the news lately you know doing you know text to text to image or or natural language like writing and a lot of that i'll just say that some of those are being powered on on core weave because they're super compute intensive and uh and we have a great uh, kind of performance adjusted price compared to the big three
0: that's amazing i mean you talk about being in the right spot like that as as cool as it gets and as a nvidia shareholder i think about you all the time time I, i hope I hope nvidia is selling a lot of gpus
1: to you well um, so i i can't so talk about my anything daughter that, be that hasn't been publicly today. disclosed but if there, there's a press release out there recently that we are going to be uh launching or going to be allocated uh some of the hopper series which are the h 100s the next cutting edge um wow. like if you're in the aiml industry like that's like a you gotta have it you know um yeah. and uh and so we're we're you know we're we're installing those and and they're like you know they're definitely like hell these things are so powerful like there is a little bit of like I don't know is A I M L going to end the world? <laughs> is it going to turn into Skynet? Um, but but it's I mean the, the stuff that people are generating out there is so cool. Like when I when I see it, our, what our customers do with our technology is like, I mean I can't I certainly can't take any credit for it, but it's it's pretty pretty darn cool. So it's really cool.
0: It's really cool and just getting stronger. Pro- just getting started, I think really. So oh, it's yeah. going to be awesome.
1: It's it's sort of like the, it feels like the internet in 1995. Like the next yeah like 20 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This technology is going to you know take over the world
0: i know it's really cool um okay so we were we were thinking about like things to talk about and there was a really good one because we both of our companies have grown quite a bit and we were kind of just reminiscing in like just the power of people and new hires yeah. and getting people in the right slots and like there you you had some new additions to your team recently that just kind of not only made your life easier but made the organization more effective we were just kind of thinking about that like what's been your experience on that
1: yeah i mean I, I just feel like it's funny because i've always come before coreweave i was always kind of in software and saas and whatever and that like that's a, that's a business and industry without physical assets right so you know it was so easy to just be like yeah you know people are all that matters because we're in a human capital intensive industry right that that's what that's how software gets written right but what's been interesting to me is my first gig in a physical asset intensive business since I was the CFO of a meat company 10 years ago, people are every bit as important. Like, yes, if, if you don't have H100s, no amount of, you know, the right people or the right salespeople or the right finance people or the right engineers is going to make a difference. Could, you just need access to those products. But, but the truth is you get allocated those products because you have the right people who wrote the software the right yeah. way. And, and, and in, certainly in my team, like I, I've been lucky uh, over the course of my career to build uh, some teams that I'm really proud of. And, the team at CoreWeave right now is is uh, on the accounting side is awesome. It, there's sort of two, like there's two sides of the house the way I think. But I think we've talked about this in the past. It's Like you know, my background's not I'm not a Big Four guy. Although I, I don't know if you did see that I, I completed a master's in accounting this year. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Good for you? Yeah. Well, I started at Logical. Wow. It was encouraged by one of my mentors who was great, Jennifer Harris, former uh, CFO of a public company called uh, you know Q2 Holdings down in Austin, Texas, and uh, she said you know if you want to be a CFO of a public company, which I would like to someday. It seems like a good gig. You know, you could, you know, polish up your, your accounting bona fides because, you know, I come from investment banking, private equity, which is Yosemite Sam, yeah. you know, accounting. It's, you know, the debits yeah. and credits. You don't really think about that.
0: Um, EBITDA adjusted.
1: Exactly. Justin EBITDA, baby. Cash and KPIs, baby. You know, so um, but U.S. Gap, uh, we'll, we'll leave that to the account. So anyway, the, the first hire that I always make, oh, and it's almost like right away because I don't, they only hire a CFO like me or a VP Finance, whatever the title is when they've gotten big enough that it's probably time to move away from like a cruise. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. and uh, you know, you guys helped us out a ton. Last we encourage. Yeah, like, for sure. The
0: companies get too big for us. We want them to move in in-house cause it's hairy and crazy and stressful. And, and we were and like, they need, what? They need we
1: were like 31% of your like email inbound <laughs> email. Oh my apology. God. Like, I'll never forget. Be... Past that.
0: It was like, it was 10%, but it was 10%. And I think at that time we had 500 customers. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys were over-indexing by, what, 20 times? 20x, or, yeah, it's
1: stupid. So sorry about 200x, that. That's my bad, 40x, 40x. It's all good, yeah, all good. Sorry about hey, that. We, we, it's all
0: good. No, that's <laughs> it's a great example of like, hey – if you're accounting for cruise consulting 10% of our email volume then you need to bring this in house. You got
1: to bring it in house. That,
0: that's our new that's our new task. Exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, well and I will always be very thankful for the work that cruise did for us getting us you know the, oh, we got out oh, of a home brewed system into QuickBooks online and then you know once I hired the that first big hire is the, is the controller and I've got a, just an amazing one right now she's a killer she took a company public that so that's the first force multiplier because then I just like no I don't have to worry about the the debits and credits. I know it's under control. I know that she'll write my COSO framework. She'll get my policies and procedures up to par. She'll write memos like great. And uh, so she's been fantastic. Name's June. Shout out to June. She's uh she's she's a killer, right. um, you know, and then down the road, like she needs help. Right. And then, you know, she she needs a staff or a senior and an accounting manager. And she's done a great job, I think, building out that team. Then the other side of the house is the strategic finance side of the house. And, um, you know, as a CFO at a small company, like you are pulled in so many directions, like H.R. rolls up to you as well probably have a big parts of like risk, even little admin administrative menial stuff like insurance. Like you got to do all that, you know? So like you just totally. like leases. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Landlord negotiation, vendor negotiation. Insurance you're, is like a
0: really big deal. We, yeah. I spend a lot of time on insurance. Yeah. It's, it's, a, pain a, lot, in the neck. it's a lot of work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then on top of all of that, it's like, oh yeah. And you might have to fundraise and like, because of the capital intensity of our business, like we're, we're buying new hardware constantly. Um. So anyway, the next force multiplier on the other side, on the strategic finance side of the house is is when I can hire uh, an FP&A person because, you know, I hire a controller and she comes in and she just gets the a, accounting on lockdown. Then, But all the stuff that I like have this weird insecurity complex about because, like, I was in investment banking 20 years ago and I didn't model that much then. So I've always had this weird hang up. And like, I don't know, my one of my best friends, a successful entrepreneur, former banker, he's seen some of the models that I, I've built and he's like your stuff is so hairy it's incredible like he's, he's like you have this weird inferiority complex but the truth is my, my working capital my bouncy balance never balances because I screw up the working capital and so I have this weird uh, hang up and so once I hire – engineered yeah oh yeah I mean some of the formulas are like you know seven lines deep and th- and that's the fun part but then like actually getting the cash flow to the cash balance that to, to some properly that's kind of a weakness for me so anyway I, I hire one of those an fp a guy or gal and the only metaphor like when I join, there there's not enough. They're only hiring, you know, at a pain point, right? So they only hire a CFO when it's like, okay, the outsourced accounting isn't enough. We Need to be more strategic, strategic in finance, you know, bring it in house. But that, there's still a gap of like 12 to 18 months until I I can justify bringing on an FP&A person. And it's sort of like I'm holding my breath until that we we get big enough. We just did, you know, because revenue growth has been fantastic. Our sales team's been been doing a great job. Yeah. And um, the metaphor that I use is like. Being a CFO of a of a startup, it's a Series A or Series B or Series C. It's sort of like, and by the way, I'm I, I'm I'm the hero in the story. So it's it's like being George Washington at Valley Forge. I just I just compared myself to, to one of the founding fathers. Let's just own that and we'll move on but you're you know you're running the continental army after saying you're i'm george washington in, your balance sheet doesn't balance yeah yeah exactly right <laughs> i'm george washington the balance sheet does not balance, and uh we might have to repudiate the debt sorry we're not really gonna repudiate our debt just to be clear hey he had to retreat a couple times yeah exactly before anyway, he saved our country you're at valley forge <laughs> and it's it's cold and you don't, you're starving, you don't have enough resources, and you're, going, you're overmatched against like, the most powerful fighting force in the history of the world at the time. And then the second I get to hire an FPA person where I can offload a bunch of the stuff that I'm just not as good at or don't want to do, yeah. <laughs> it's basically like someone says, Hey, George, what if I gave you 20 M1 Abram tanks? Could you yeah. put those to use? And the answer is like, yes. I could definitely use those. I could do anything I (laughs) want. You you made the point
0: about like um, maybe you're not as good at – like you're doing something that you're not – you're more of a generalist or maybe more of an executive. For sure. And the person that you bring in is really good at this stuff, and it's like a multiple-factor improvement for everybody.
1: It makes me 10 times better. CFO, it makes yeah. our financial yeah. modeling like ten times better. It makes it's
0: just and the yeah. board, the board's excited because projections always make sense, and, oh, and but you can also scrutinize them and all that kind of stuff, and yeah. And then there's also just all this other administrative stuff you get done, and also paying more attention to the accounting team.
1: Yeah,
0: and you know, I totally, I'm totally with you. I've lived that like for. I've been at Cruise for almost eight years and uh, every year we are able to hire like one or two awesome operational people or someone, an executive team member. And it's amazing, like the, the jump you get, you know, I also think there's something to like the clearing of your head, like the off, like just being able to think a little bit more and not be in reaction mode all the time. Exactly. And you, inevitably you kind of find other stuff to fill up your day so like you know it doesn't maybe last as long as you'd like but but just getting like oh wow i'm not thinking about a model 10 hours a week right and budget actuals and all kinds of stuff. i just get a report and it makes sense you and, know and it's, it's formatted really intelligent yeah. yeah and it's yeah. Just smart yeah um and the board company. gets it five days earlier in the month than they used to yep. because i'm not doing three things anymore and cfo ceo is happier because more predictability and all that kind of stuff. Hundred yeah, percent makes total sense.
1: And I know you guys yeah. do that. Um, you guys offer outsourced do, CFO services, and yeah. honestly, I just wish that I had pushed harder to like you got you have you guys have FP&A people, right? Like you offer we do we have a lot now. Yeah. We hired
0: a lot of people. Yeah, we also have. I mean, we do budget actuals that are really, really uh popular. By the way, this is not a commercial for cruising nah, something, but, you know, but like it. I mean, I, I'm like a kid on Christmas when I get the internal cruise budget actuals. Yeah. Because it's to me, it's like, oh, my gosh, we're doing great here. Ooh, we got to improve this here. How do we get better there? Feeling, yeah. Yeah. I had a feeling something wasn't going right over there, and now I can see it in the numbers. And yeah, I'm a huge – and but in it also like – I make this point on a lot of podcasts I record – surprise negative surprises are bad for if you're reporting to a board for sure uh, especially like a order of magnitude negative surprises and so the fastest way to catch those or easiest way to catch those is doing budget actuals every month because the problem never gets so huge that it's like you gotta go tell the board about it you know you see it and you fix it if you're not doing budget actuals and you're kind of just like winging it and then you do like a six-month, oh, what? how are we really doing here? You're, it can be shocking how yeah. bad you're doing. Yeah, here was the plan, and here's
1: reality. And it's like, ooh, yeah. you know, why well, didn't By we By the know way, our this.
0: cash, we thought we had 15 months of cash, but we have seven yeah, months of cash that's now. That's a tough and That's not a conversation. We're you're screwed. Have.
1: Yeah.
0: It's the conversation that you get fired yeah.
1: after. Yeah, yeah for you sure. Know, like, really that simple. So Getting better, like, I don't forecasting know, I, is so key. It's like, otherwise, you're – if you're only looking at historicals, you're basically trying to drive a car looking only through the rear view mirror, right? And then when you actually get someone who's competent and more importantly, has the bandwidth and passion for doing the it, it's like you just cleared all the mud off the windshield yeah, and you can actually totally, look out the front. Totally. So.
0: Hey, it's Scott on at Cruise Consulting, taking a quick pit stop to give some of the groups at Cruise a big shout out. First up is our tax team. Amazing. They can do your federal and state income tax returns, R&D tax credits, sales tax help, anything you need for state registrations. They do it all. And we're so grateful for all their awesome work. Also, our finance team is doing amazing work now. They build financial models, budget actuals, and help your company navigate the VC due diligence process. I guess our tax team does that too on the tax side, but the finance team is doing great work. And then, you know, I think everyone kind of knows our accounting team is pretty awesome, but want to give them a shout out too. Thanks and back to the guest. There's also a lot of benefits to like hiring because you have a clear, like you that analogy, like you can see through the windshield wow. and you can see where you're going. And you know exactly when you need to hire people, especially if your business, as it gets bigger, a lot of them get a little more predictable. Like we're more predictable now because just the size, right? Yeah. You know, the bulk. And so you, you can hire smartly. You're not reactionary hiring all the time. And that also allows you to like constantly be building your pipeline or give the, the HR people time to look for the person you need instead of just kind of trying to hope you get the right person. There's a lot of, there's a lot of benefits, like operational benefits. Oh, yeah.
1: And I would say an HR person falls into that as well. I know you you said you yeah yeah like yeah. our HR person is fantastic and you know she's straddling both HR generalist stuff and also recruiting and uh, over time that that breaks down. You need to you know you need to kind of the world the world makes specialists of us all as you get bigger in in company size right. But like she's a killer, and the fact that I don't worry about benefits, I just like you do that yeah. Like, perfect you know she's she's been amazing i
0: love our i love our hr team as well and you know what's interesting you made that point about the um recruiting and hr because it's one thing that's going to be kind of interesting with the economy slowing down and startups slowing down is in in a weird way it's easier to split that up when you have a lot of recruiting volume and i'm going to be kind of interested to see what happens next year i mean we've been very fortunate we we've been able to manage our recruiting but like I, I we're still going to grow next year, but I don't know how. I genuinely don't know how how much we're going to grow. It's hard to kind of have like specialist recruiters if you don't have enough
1: volume, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I definitely feel like recruiters are always the first to get laid off in a in a downturn. Because it's like, well, we thought we were going to hire 170 people, we're going to hire 15. We can just pay yeah. bounty. We just use you know.
0: But they do really well in the upturns. But they so that's they, the thing they, though
1: they make bank during the upswings, yeah. but. You know, it's human nature to sort of, especially if you're not financial in nature and you like you understand the cyclicality of financial markets, it's just human nature to be like, okay, I make this much every year. And it's like, ooh, but here's the thing. And, I, and I'm not, I'm not dissing recruiters. I'm just describing the world as it is, not as I would like it to be. It's like, unfortunately, like when, when the ship comes under fire, like you're kind of the first one that gets thrown overboard. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, because you just yeah. can't justify they having have to, 12 it's, recruiters. It's a
0: highly cyclical life, but they no. I mean, especially the ones who are good at it. Like, oh, yeah. we, we pay a lot of those bills. Like, I see, yeah. The twenty to forty thousand dollars payments right. for one placement, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, I know. You I'm know. in the wrong
1: business. right? Amazing.
0: Let, yeah. Let me ask I you know. a question.
1: I'm curious. You're, we can talk about this on the Operator Guild that we're yeah. both a member of. But a full stack recruiter, a good one, not let's say not not the Michael Jordan of full stack recruiting. Like, how many roles do you feel, on average, a, a full stack recruiter can you know can fill in a year? I'm just curious. I have no idea. Oh, I'm, oh okay. I'm totally the wrong. I thought you were totally that was a KPI best. you'd be plugged in on.
0: All right. I only know that I I click pay yeah, on just, our clients recruiter bills and right. I see how big they are yeah. and I'm like I wish I had that job. Well, it's, it's easy math,
1: job. right? If you're like, well, if we're only going to hire 5 people this year, then you can afford to pay, you know, a lot of those will come through the referrals because if you're only hiring 5, you're probably yeah. not 500 people. You're you're probably a small company. And you know, you might pay one bounty, the rest of referrals and then other just inbound. That's fine. I find that recruiting is free until 30. And at 30, you you start paying for it either because now, if you're 30, you're probably hiring like at least 10, maybe 15 people. Yeah. You've outgrown your network. Paradoxically, even though the number of people in your company has grown, the strength of weak ties, you're actually, it's harder to just get referrals. Yeah. And you're also hiring
0: like maybe a mix, a different mix, like a few executive team members, and those are harder to find. And yeah, it's tougher. So after 30, you have to
1: start paying, whether through an in house recruiter, you have to fix cost. But even if they don't hire anyone, or bounties, which are like, all it takes is like two and a half bounties, three bounties, and you, it would have yeah. been cheaper to have a full-time yeah. recruiter. So it's like,
0: uh... And also, like, you you know, everyone focuses on the people you hired. But in my experience, there's a lot of people you got to interview to get to that person you hired. Oh, yeah. And it's like a pipeline. It's like anything sure. else. There's a pipeline. It's like a sales and pipeline. And you got to you know, talk to a lot of people and you have people who don't think – who don't want to work with at your company, cause yep. for whatever reason, you know, or they got something going on in their life or they found something else or, and then you got people to do, but aren't quite qualified and oh yeah. yeah. What else do you think? Like, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here, but 2023 other, other changes like that, like, okay, market slows down, people slow down, companies slow down. And I, I actually personally think the markets, the like startup market's going to rebound, like come summertime, yeah. maybe even sooner. because i I think it's like kind of depressed right now and i just think a lot of vcs are like they're they're triaging their existing portfolio they're not spending as much time on new stuff and that they'll get bored of that pretty soon because they will have triaged everybody but like what else what other things can you think like unforeseen or unpredictable changes like anything you're looking at
1: you know i mean if you're just if i'm prognosticating for 2023 like there was a good operators guild presentation that That look back and it's like, you know what? Like, we we always, in hindsight, like, we think about 2001, 2002, or 2008, 2009 as being these long sustained recessions. And they're brutal. And by the way, I graduated twice with two degrees from ostensibly prestigious schools without a job. So trust me, I remember the pain of those times. I'm not minimizing them. They were very difficult psychologically. But if you actually look back, the average recession lasts between like two and five quarters. So I I, I definitely think like, now whether that trickles down to average joe paycheck that's a totally different question but i i think that if you're not in one of the areas where there is a contain like a secular contagion like crypto for example yeah it's gonna be business as usual by q2 it's like <laughs> i mean and i don't mean to si- sound like callous like stop your whining like no i mean people will lose their jobs there will be human suffering there will be a pullback but the truth is that things rebound a lot quicker than people yeah. believe they do or perceive that they do.
0: I totally agree. I also think like I joined the Lighthouse in two thousand two, venture lending. You were early to the venture. Like our first, yeah. Our whole first my whole first year. This is two thousand two yeah. to two thousand three, was spent like ninety percent of our partnership meetings were restructures. We did Just, yeah. I mean it was like miserable. And that was like two years after the bust. Yeah. So it does take a while. But one thing Silicon Valley is good at is like kind of triaging and then companies that don't make it, don't get more money, aren't going to make it, don't get more money. They sell, they liquidate, whatever, or they shut down. And then those people get re- – it's like econ- It's the economy in like a microcosm. They get redeployed into other exciting jobs or they maybe go to a bigger company or things like that the cycle is self healing in a way. And I see it like the cruise client base. We have companies; that's, it's horrible. These people have busted their butt for years and they just can't raise more money or can't make it. But like a lot of them have really good attitudes about it and we're super supportive and we know how hard it is. But like, I fully expect a lot of these, those people to be like at a new company or starting a new company, like in yeah. nine months. Like yeah. I'm telling you, I've seen it before and it's just the nature of entrepreneurship, it's the nature of startups. And so in a weird way, that's the that's the part of the market I fear the the least for. It's yeah. the bigger industries that have a lot of change, maybe like int- like mortgage brokers maybe are in trouble or things like right. that, you know, like, yeah, I don't sure. know, but the startup world is going to be totally fine. The Just valuations will be lower, kind of like what they should be.
1: Like <laughs> yeah, that's right. Valuations like, you are know, crazy. Like,
0: it's supposed to be a hard industry. Venture capital is supposed to be really hard. We've been living high in the ho- like way too high in the hog for years, and now it's just going to be more block and tackling, and kind of how it should be. Personally, yeah. that's what I think.
1: Yeah, I'm always like loath to be that like ra rah sis boom like Silicon Valley hate hey, yeah. geography like breaking our arms, patting ourselves on the back of of how innovative and disruptive we are. All that, but the truth is, Silicon Valley leapfrogged what was previously the kind of tech center of America, which is where I'm from, Boston, Massachusetts. Route 128 Industries, you know, Wang and. Digital and everything else, yeah, I know um, that. yeah. And it did it did so in part. The Mark granovetter's guy who was at Stanford. I don't know if he's still there, but you know, it was an organizational behaviorist who wrote this great book called The Strength of Weak Ties. Uh, and one of the like conclusions was like, yeah, the one of the reasons Silicon Valley just leapfrogged, aside from other structural factors like, oh, it just so happened that the semiconductor was kind of invented down the road, <laughs> like non compete. Is that they never had the non compete? They here. were never super siloed, and there was just such yeah. greater human capital mobility that. Yeah. That that the like you said, it's it's a self healing thing. And by the way, I don't want to mean there's some people who there will be human suffering when companies go out of business, and I don't mean to minimize that. But but it it is a really resilient ecosystem, and also just structurally over the last ten years, so much like the, the venture capital and private equity industry is like fifty times the size that it was when you and I were in college. So there's so much dry powder sitting on the sidelines. Those people, it, it will be traumatic if their company fails. And you know what? The whole, one of the things I love about Silicon Valley is a lot of things I hate about it, but like, is you have that mentality of like, you know, you swing hard just in case you hit something. If you strike out, you just like sit down, wait for your turn and you come right back up and swing hard in case you hit something. You know, just like, like, give me another analogy. Yeah. Give me another at-bat. There is a
0: lot of money on the sidelines and there's a lot of money in funds and, you know, it's, it's also, I think it'll be interesting to see. I think one other, like, this will be interesting when the rebound happens, will it be tech hub centric like New York? or bay area boston that kind of thing or will it be more distributed i can see it being more distributed i just I think, think there's i, think I, I mean i can right? see yeah i well where are you out right you're I'm colorado, Boulder, colorado. Right? yeah but that's still that's a little bit of a tech hub it's, a, it's like, a
1: small hub but it's, it's 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 legit
0: yeah it's super legit but i'm just saying like i can see i have access to all these stats around where the employee bases yeah of all of our clients are and they're all over yeah all over and I just think it's going to be like, that'll be the, that'll be the thing that is different this time is like, you just won't, you, you know, even like the companies in this cycle that were really strong, mostly were fu- founded in like the Bay Area or New York or whatever, but then started hiring remotely or moved yeah. remotely when COVID happened this time. I think that, that'll, that'll be kind of a, it's, it's pretty obvious. We, we were looking at some interesting data around, like we couldn't really get a correlation, but there's a lot of successful companies that do have office space still. You know, yeah. like we were looking at our client sure. base, like more than I would have thought. You know, I would have thought more were remote, but I think I might be just thinking about like how cruise is structured and how we operate,
1: yeah. you know. So well, I think the genie's yeah. out of the it's, out of the bottle in terms of letting people work remotely. It turns out it works. Yeah. You know, it, it didn't work ten years ago. There wasn't Zoom or Teams or whatever, you know, God forbid yeah. WebEx. But like um, you know, it's it's definitely that genie's out of the bottle. I, I, I guess I'm slightly optimistic that if we're democratizing geographic distribution of VC dollars, which we are, you know, like forty years ago, ninety-five percent of VC dollars went to the Bay Area, and yeah. the rest went to Boston, basically. And then, you know, that was slowly changing when I was doing private equity placements in two thousand three, four, five, whatever that was. Um, I'm, I'm optimistic that, like, we're we're in, you're seeing venture guys invest in places that they never used to, Salt Lake, Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, whatever. I, I'm optimistic that that will also come with it a like. You know, 20 years ago, even everyone who got VC dollars looked like they were either uh, they were straight white or Asian guy who went to Cal, yeah. Stanford, Harvard or MIT. I was like, that's it. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, Princeton, you know, and like hopefully the the democratization and of distribution of like VC dollars geographically, hopefully. And I think there's data that suggests suggest that it also means it's going to different demographics that historically were shut out from raising venture capital and, 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 paying, yes, and swinging we, hard we, in there I at mean. bat, you know. So, yeah,
0: I see it in, I see it in our C stage series A companies for sure. Yeah. Totally diverse yeah. and women, men, you know, all over. Yeah, That is a good thing too. I, I, that's how I've, I've actually told this story a bunch at Lighthouse or at Cruz. Cause when I joined Lighthouse 2002, it was a lot of like, we had a big Boston office. It was like, you know, old school Harvard business school network, yep. you know, to their credit, like they were very strong, but that was like that was the VC industry. It in, in totally MIT. Miraculous. It was MIT and yeah. Harvard yep. Business School. 100, you know.
1: Yep.
0: and that's and if you didn't go there, you have, we're gonna have a hard time getting in the industry. So, yep. cool, man. Well, what else is going on? What's what's new? What's any any uh, any any parting thoughts or yeah. any any music gigs you got going? No, on? Ca- like, I can't
1: find a guitarist. If anyone knows a like, kind of grungy uh, garage are you a basis, what are you? I got a basis and a drummer. I sing. Uh, and play harmonica i don't okay. play guitar Oh, you don't play guitar no i mean i i screw around with it for like songwriting but i, I don't play on stage but yeah if you find a guitarist that'd be great um in boulder
0: colorado boulder. there's got to be some guitarists in boulder colorado
1: come yeah, on there you would think it's a big jam band scene and that's not exactly my vibe and there's a big like bluegrass Americana vibe i haven't found like the, the sort of grungy guitar uh, kind of but i'll find one i'll find one let's see uh you know one thing I, i'll give you parting thoughts real rapid fire um yeah the AI thing that we talked about a little bit is like pretty fascinating and I feel like it's an existential threat to certain professions and like it will automate a lot of our jobs like already it's like I, I think some of the AI engines are like writing kind of entry-level software program or code caliber already and it's like you know it, obviously it's it's just like finding templates online and just kind of regurgitating it out but like the world changes. The technology gets better faster than we, pro- we co- are cognizant of. For sure. So, I'm
0: excited about that. The, yeah, the GitHub co-pilot stuff and things like that, yeah. especially for someone like who has always loved technology and software but can't write it himself. I'm talking about myself. Yeah. Like that's really exciting, you know, yeah. and just being able to move faster. It's real. it's real. I mean, it's going to, it's going to impact accounting. It's going to impact finance. Impact everything. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So we'll see how that goes. I, I think in, in 15 that, years. That'll be our,
0: we'll put a pin in that one for next year. Cause yeah. that we'll have a, a full year to look at like chat GPT and all right. that stuff. And I mean, I feel like I've contributed a decent amount to chat gbt because i've i'm sure they've indexed all the cruise accounting uh-huh. uh, content on our website oh, of course yeah and, and learn you know i'm waiting for my royalty check yeah
1: i'm curious if i don't know if it's in 20 years or if it's in five years or somewhere in between or even longer where like you know maybe being a software like writing software is no longer the lucrative career it once was because it's been automated i don't know i don't know what the answer is i i think i'm you and i are just old enough to that we might be safe like <laughs> like we might Make just enough money to retire before our jobs get automated out of existence.
0: Cruise and core, we really need to work.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they really do. <laughs> uh, so there's that.
0: We'll be we working for an AI boss. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Uh, the last thing I'll say, just other rapid-fire closing thoughts. Um, you know, we had a. I think you maybe you didn't know this. I thought we talked about it, but um, usually I just come on Founders and Friends as a friend, but I was the founder of uh, co-founder, I should say. Of, uh, of a batting cage in san francisco which ran for eight years uh was batter's box mobile it was the only was the only like commercial batting cage in the city for a while and uh that was a victim of covid um so shed a tear but um you know i like just to counter balance like hopefully i didn't sound callous saying like oh yeah it'll it'll all turn out fine like because i guarantee you like 2002 Mar, who was like just getting started in his career and was on or underemployed for basically two years after graduating, like Danford yeah. with two degrees. Like, come on. I thought, I thought I did everything right. Right. So, you know, if so 22 year old Evan Mar would hear 43 year old Evan Mar and be like, screw you, buddy. Of course, things are fine for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I don't, so to countervail I mean, that.
0: I looked for a job for like nine months oh, yeah. and it was the only, lighthouse is the only offer I got. Yep. And thank so, God they gave me an offer. Man, I've been—I you know, really couldn't sick. even. I, couldn't I mean, even I had—I had given notice on my apartment and everything. I was out of an apartment. I was like, it, it's tough. These recessions are tough. Yeah, and, they're brutal. I'm but I do crazy. think it's helpful. I only—I kind of—I know we're going mm-hmm. on the optimistic side here, but I think it's helpful, especially for younger people, to hear from people with a little more context that like keep focusing on doing a good job, find an opportunity, yeah. even if it's not perfect, get in there, and keep building your career. You know, because good things All happen, right. especially if you're working with good people and. Yeah. You know, at the time, 2002 was gnarly, but like I remember meeting with LinkedIn in like probably 2003 when they were five people. Yeah. You know, wow. and Friendster, I met with like Friendster and LinkedIn like a month apart. Wow. You know, and, and I was like, social net, this, this is interesting. Something. Like yeah. you can see what your friends online, this is like, you know, so like the, the stuff happens. Like the AI is like something everyone can look at and be like, that's what, but there's probably like three other mega trends that are just in their very, very infancy right now. Like, like that friendster LinkedIn thing. Right. You know, I mean, I still remember begging LinkedIn to take our money. Like, please take our money, please take our money. I'll do anything. Cause I could see what was happening. Like it was made total sense. So just like find some, if you can find something like that, get in, even if you're making coffee, and delivering you know printing paper printing stuff out yeah. just get in get, get a job build your career create a cr- track record good things happen
1: yeah just hang around the hoop I mean I, I, I gave a couple guest lectures up at the CSU College of Business on on finance mm-hmm. whatever and I always end with like look I graduated twice with two degrees and no job and that really left a scar on me so I, I don't know you from Adam but like I will if you are looking for a job, I will try to help you just, just so someone else doesn't have to go through the two years of, you know, misery and, yeah. and imposter syndrome and self questioning and everything else. And so you're on the operator's guild uh, email. List. I forwarded like six resumes yesterday. <laughs> People are looking for jobs. <laughs> awesome. I mean, I can, if I can help anyone avoid that, I've got to
0: set to the summary notification. Oh, okay, I'm, uh, right.
1: I'm not getting. I,
0: it's a little too much. I me. do individual emails. And I get them all.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, on that note, I, in the terms of pain of recession, like COVID wiped out uh, Batters Box SF, which was down. Most beautiful batting cage in America it was literally Sorry, you, you man. Walk outside. You looked out at the uh, Golden Gate Bridge uh, in the Presidio and uh, yeah, just I would say, you know, the pain is real, you know, uh, um, you know, of losing a business like, you know, I'll tell you, I, we, we had to wind it down in January. We made it through uh, all eight years of our lease. We had two four year leases. And uh, but at the end, like we because we had been on deferred rent from our landlord, we, you know, we owed them what amounted to two and a half years of our highest EBITDA year ever and covid wasn't over and they were and they were like look sorry we're not going to renew you so yeah the pain of shutting down a business is really tough and you know just i would say like based on that what was really challenging like i definitely shed a few tears um but what i learned in in other setbacks and other recessions was like you know contrary to to like popular misconception like you actually can keep a good man down you can keep him down for a long time but you can't do it forever you know so if you just you know it's so corny and cheesy and it sounds like something that out of touch. You know 43 year old would say to it you know when where his career has gone you know with knock knock wood a little bit of you know uh, some some positivity lately like you just kind of got to you know stick to it and and and, and hang around the hoop because you can't keep a good man down forever uh or woman yeah so that's my that's my totally, parting optimism
0: totally agree and everyone is always looking for talented people who yeah. care you know including crews so if you're that kind of person hit us up we're all we're still hiring right on man so all right, man. Thank you so much for coming by. I really appreciate it. A pleasure as always, brother. Bye, buddy. All right, take it easy.
1: So when your trouble's are mountain, in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise Founders and Friends, it's Cruise Consulting, Founders and Friends with your host, Scotty Olm. Oh.